Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of e-commerce insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier. With me today is the esteemed Justin Brenner, famous from AdLeaks Group and many other media buying ventures, if you will. Justin, thanks for joining us. introduce you to the audience, you know, how did you get involved in ad buying to begin with? And, you know, what was it? I, I consider you an expert from seeing all the, you know, things you contribute to the forum and on the different Facebook lives and presentations you do. You're mentoring a lot of people. How did you, how did you get to that point? Well, I got started out in, people, most people don't know this, but I have actually a master's degree in exercise science. And I had a really close friend at the time that was uh, heavy into affiliate marketing. So, He's always been extremely influential, very successful. And I was working for the Bureau of Indian Affairs uh, at the time, back in like 2008, 2009. And, you know, I always wanted to do what he did, but he never wanted to take the time to teach. So he finally brought me under his wing and I started learning uh, affiliate marketing. And it kind of just blew up from there. Uh, Started out doing pop traffic with like traffic vans way back in the day, like the ad virus pop-ups that everybody hates and gets started doing that and doing some other things. And over the course of time, just kind of migrated to, to where I am. And a lot of it has just been always having the want and desire to be good at everything. I'm not a big believer in like specializing in focusing on one thing because I've always had, it kind of goes into our discussion later about the changes coming with iOS. But my biggest thing is kind of always been a holistic full funnel marketing strategy. And in order to do that, when you're working with all of these brands, you really need to have a high level holistic approach to that. And in order to do that, you have to be good at everything. So my wife will be the first one to tell you that it's been a long journey and a lot of time invested, you know, seven, still, even to this day, six, seven days a week, I read constantly, just always trying to learn and get better because the digital marketing is so ever devolving and ever evolving and it's changing. And in order to really be the best, you have to stay on top of it. I'd agree. The curious learning and you got to be willing to do the work. It's never, you know, if you get to the work and get to a plateau and then it's just the same every day, that probably end up being boring for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I would say I'm the best at every single thing, but you know, I know how to do email extremely well. I know how to do SEO extremely well, Amazon extremely well, Facebook, Google ads, YouTube, Snapchat. I mean, when you're good at one platform, especially on the ad platforms, a lot of them are very similar or the same. It kind of cross correlates in my opinion. It's just kind of figuring out the platform and how to how to do it. But the media buying skills and attribution and all that doesn't really change as long as you know what the platform uses and, and how it goes. That's interesting. So then what what platforms were you using in 2020 and approximately what type of ad spend were you managing? Yeah. Influencing? Uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, done Snapchat, done Pinterest, primarily the two biggest in terms of, and it obviously depends on the brand and kind of their level of spend and kind of what their KPI goals are. But I've always found about 90, I mean, 90, probably 9% of the time, the two biggest revenue drivers for any brand are obviously going to be Facebook and they're going to be Google. Like those two, the machine learning on those are far superior than Snapchat and Pinterest. I always approach the other two as kind of secondary lift. So more of middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, 
starting that out and slowly working into top funnel as ad spend grows with the brands. And obviously it's dependent on the brand, but primarily it's going to be Facebook and Google are the two number ones. If their brand fits for Amazon, I always like, people are always kind of worried about going into Amazon, but Amazon is such an easy platform to get on and it really doesn't cost you anything. It's kind of like having an affiliate program. You only pay if you get a sale. So it's really beneficial for the brands. Some brands like it, some don't because it pulls away from their, their web kind of web growth because they're going to the, the big conglomerate. But, and then I'll, obviously I'm a big firm believer in organic SEO through not only social, but um, like the search engine as well. I think that's very, very underutilized and a lot of brands don't um, because it is so much work and it is a, a very extreme high level of understanding of how to get to rank those pages on specific words. But in terms of ad spend, I mean, we're well into the, multi seven figures for sure across everything. Yeah. I always thought with SEO, it was like, oh, I'm going to have to get some people to build all these backlinks. <laughs> uh, screw yeah. it. That's yeah. basically the thought process. I'm like, ah, oh, backlinks. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just yeah. move on and to the next topic. Obviously there's shady and everything, but SEO has always had kind of a, when you think of black hat, most people think of SEO because it's shady link billing. And, you know, I, honestly, our, when I first started in 2008, kind of the mentality and the approach that we've taken taken to backlink building and not only on site, honestly, it hasn't even really evolved. Um, it's pretty much stayed the same, even though some of the on site tactics have obviously involved, but in terms of backlink building, it's just building extremely high quality links to the relevant pages you want, but, you know, vet, vetting these sites for their specific metrics. Like I see a lot of people doing, going out and they're buying links on a website that has at the top, it says advertise here, and then you click it. And it says, yeah, you can, you know, we'll sell you a link for $250. Like if you don't think Google's index crawler sees that and like yeah. evaluates those links, like we would never buy a link on that. You know, mm-hmm. that's just like a dead number one giveaway. Just don't do it. But I think it just, that market gets a, a bad rap and it, it's more of a long-term strategy. Obviously paid ads is really easy to roll out. You can roll out ads today. You're getting sales tomorrow. SEO is a long-term investment strategy. I always push it as like a 401k more compounding interest money you put into it, more interest you're going to build later. And um, yeah, so. So that's a complement of all the different platforms. It sounds like they all can kind of work together. Well, that's why Wicked was created. Right? <laughs> that's why, you know, we had to do, <laughs> had to track it somehow. More so with top, than ever now. Yeah. With top, middle, bottle of, and bottom of the funnel, are you more e-com brands? And if so, I mean, is top funnel lead gen and bottom sales? And then what's, what do you call middle or, or how do you, yes. how do you approach so, those different pieces? Cause everyone's got different I'm, opinions. So yeah, I like to hear I'm it. a firm believer in like, people always ask me, you only do e-com, right? To me, e-com and lead gen are the same. It's the same strategy. The media buying strategy is the same. It's just a different end goal. You're trying to capture somebody's information versus capturing a purchase. Like the way you set it up and the way you nurture from the way that we approach a holistic strategy is a hundred percent, the exact same, just a different end goal, trying to, you know, get the phone call or whatever. But I, we do both in terms of like top of funnel is going to be prospecting people that are not familiar with the brand. have never seen the brand, never engaged, you know, have not engaged on Instagram or Facebook or things like that. Middle of funnels, we usually push into kind of your repeat customers coming back and also those who have engaged. So that kind of includes the retention as well of repeat. And then your bottom of funnel is going to be those of who visited the site, added to cart, um, abandoned, abandoned product, you know, abandoned the view on the product page and not made it to cart, things of that nature. 
that are more down funnel that are more likely not to convert, obviously. So with pin and snap, do they, is, can you get bottom of the funnel, a lot of success there? Do you got to do more lead capture and then close them somewhere else? Or what do you find has you, worked with what you've done? You can. And here's the problem that I've seen with Snapchat. I remember like, I don't know, a year and a half ago or two years ago when we had that big brand on your platform, there was a lot of like question, like Wicked showed a lot of incrementality from Snapchat. The Snapchat platform literally showed all view, no sales, but they were a- That's so rare. Cause like Facebook will take credit for you even having a daydream about something. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think, Snapchat, the I think Snapchat has, and I've seen it with a lot of brands. I don't know what is with their attribution, but we were able to see like Snapchat was very, very successful in driving conversions. But when the client would look at Wicked, and then he's going and looking at Snapchat. He's like, Snapchat doesn't show anything. It's, it's not possible. And it's like, dude, the, the sophistication and platform of, of Wicked Reports is far superior than what Snapchat has built for attribution. Like, it is 100% incremental and it is helping drive sales. And it was just at that point, Top of Funnel can work for Snapchat if the offer, and I think it fits the demographic. Pinterest is really, really heavy on attribution. Like it'll claim everything as well because they even have, I think like a 90 day view. I think it even goes out to now. Uh, 90 uh, day view. I, I believe that. Well, they have like a 30, 30, 30. So you can do 30 click, 30 view, whatever. So they, you can really look at it from multiple different avenues. Bottom of funnel works pretty good there as well. It's just a matter of, again, a lot of it is on the offer. And if that offer fits with the demo of Pinterest, because a lot of people, you know, go to Pinterest not to buy, but just to, to save things to their board. So it has to be something that I think the time to purchase on those platforms is a lot longer. It's a lot longer of a nurturing process versus like Facebook and Google seem to just convert a lot quicker. Well, so 2021, let me ask you one more thing then. So what's going to evolve uh, from the, the channels? Is it still business status quo or, I mean, is the Apple IFDA news going to you know change your strategies and the platform some? For some of the brands, yes, because I think a lot of the brands do look at specific like wanting to just use Facebook's platform because they don't want to have a third-party payment out there for like a platform like Wicked. They don't want to pay for it. But what we're telling brands right now is number one is it's really hard to push spend into what's to know what's working. Like with Wicked, you're able to see that you're able to see true attribution and actually what's incremental. And like what we're telling people with the new iOS is you, you almost can't afford not to have it because you're not going to attribute sales. Number one, you're not going to attribute sales and they're not going to be attributed properly. And you're only going to capture now going forward once this rolls out from what I can see is only a very small portion of those sales. Even if you're using server to server, you know. Yeah, that's the really crazy thing is that even if you figure out and want to give Facebook credit and it's your data and send it to Facebook, they can't report on it or use it. It's just, so that, that seems a little extreme for- and maybe there's going to be some give and take there. I imagine they'll use that to help project, you know, they're going to have to do sampling and probability. So if you're sending them, Hey, you guys are only showing 20 sales here, but our conversion API find found 30 more. You got to figure Facebook still, well, I mean, technically they're not supposed to do anything with that, but how are they not going to use that in the probability? You know, it means Is that go for only offline? people in a dark room in Facebook are going to know that answer. Yeah. Does that go for offline conversions as well though? Like if they opted out 
and that's associated with that profile, can they report the offline conversion? So that's interesting. So we already have offline conversions wired up. So one idea I had that we're going to, whoever wants to, you know, a couple people hopefully are going to be testing it for us is you could choose the optimization objective of store visits and then send up offline conversions. And that uses that as the, that'll machine learn on offline conversions. And that algorithm understands, Hey, things are uploaded a day late because it's, you know, offline technically. Yep. But we use it for us. So we're going to have both pipes available and whichever one works, people can, you know, we have offline available now and then the conversion API will be February and you can pick your poison or you shoot both in if you want. That's what be- we've done for a lot of brands is we've just ran web server to server and then just did offline and automated it. When you guys roll that out or you already have rolled yeah, out. Yeah, we got offline. So we'll be rolling we would, an online one next month. We would just kind of compare the difference in loss of attribution from offline to that. And yeah. you know, a lot of the times if one was greater, then we would pull those numbers specifically, but it's definitely good insight. I think I built that strategy out two years ago in ad leagues. Been doing yep. it for a while. That was us 2018. So we find that the pixel over over reports by thirty percent because in the offline the match rates are only seventy percent. So you're already missing a thir- you know thirty percent of your sales. Facebook can't find the profile, which is puzzling because you've got all that PII. You're sending them everything. You know, if, if someone has a purchase, you know every, you know a lot of uh, data points and. Facebook just matches 70%. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's what happens. Do you guys have your own servers then? For, like you probably do for PII purposes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we have to store it hashed and then we have a key that unhashes it out. And then if you're uh, if you're an admin on your accounts, so you're a first-party data administrator, then it's your data so you can see it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then it's hidden. If you're just yeah. a, a different level. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah. So people that don't know, I have Apple IFDA. I mean, I'll have a whole pod on it, but basically Facebook uses a phone number lookup to help determine its measurement and its conversions. And if users are now able to opt out of tracking, starting with iOS 14.3, which a lot of people, let's say 50% probably will, it's kind of a scary looking indicator. And so the, the Apple's stance, which is their data so they can do this, is that if you opt out from tracking, you're not allowed to be shown at all in Facebook's system unless Facebook somehow tracks it on their own. Which apparently, How would that be enforced though? Like I, I Facebook could just say, you know, screw you, Apple, we're going to just show it anyway. And like, what could they... What could they do? So that's why I think with conversion API, they're going to say, hey, well, this data, uh, if, if they have web traffic from you also, then they will use mm-hmm. that. It just is going to lead to different measurement results because right now they have an algorithm that's pinging your phone number, getting this stream of all kinds of things and plucking out attribution from there. I mean, that's the logical way they're probably doing it. And, and it's now amazing they're, gonna, they're not going to have that stream. So everything that's scrolled on my phone or done on my phone now possibly is not going to be able to be used but anything, so that means desktop campaigns should still be accurate. You omit Safari users. So they're going to yeah. extend this to the web too, not right away, but so it's, it's coming, you know, by the end of the year. That probably Do they have a rollout date for this? Have they put out an official date? Uh, I think it's January 22nd, give or take, because Facebook said same day breaking API changes and they haven't told us what they are. So this can be a, a big week for us <laughs> scurrying around dealing with I know on the seventh they have that big um, webinar. Uh-huh. We'll spell it out from. So they've been vague, but what they've said is they're do, getting rid of view through and going to seven day click based on the date of the conversion. It used to be you know thirty twenty eight day click from the time of the impression or the click. Right. And instead, that's it's from the for, converting event. That's good for brands, 
bad for agencies because I know a lot of agencies get paid on percentage of revenue and they're probably getting paid on seven one or twenty eight one. Probably twenty probably <laughs> so, twenty eight. It's gotta be yeah, twenty eight one. So their their checks are gonna they can already see checks taking a hit if you're on a percentage of revenue or a ROAS based model. I've always felt that Facebook was over optimistic short term, but under optimistic long term because you pull all those leads like so you got different strategies for different parts of the funnel. So let's say you have a strong email game and you're grabbing Facebook emails and then they convert, I don't know, two, three weeks down the road. And then they're subscribers to whatever, you know, recurring box, you know, e-com box or whatever you, you got going. Those leads are worth way more money than Facebook gives it credit, gives it self credit for. It's not that Facebook's going to go away as a bad platform for ads. It's just not going to be designed for measurement. It's just yep. not. I mean, have you, have you ever dived into Facebook's attribution platform? A little I just noticed it was never giving like too, too much credit to other channels. So I was. Yeah. It's a very high level. And it, it wasn't great. Because yeah. to me, when you're optimizing a high performing campaign, you dig in and you say, what ad set ad combos are killing it? Or if you're doing Google, you know, what audiences or uh, keywords. Yeah. You move the spend there on a, pro, on a high you know, campaign that could have a hundred keywords, probably like 10 of them are making the money. Yeah. Or, or same with ad sets. You know, you probably got like four or five good ones out of the dozen in there. Yeah. So I it's going to be huge. I just optimized a, a Google ads account. It only had like, I don't know, seven or eight campaigns. And there's so many data points. It took me literally, I kid you not, nine hours to optimize it from top to bottom, from every single gender and age, like doing bit adjustments on gender, on age, on every single audience, because we run like observation and we'll run every single in, in market and interest. And because you can obviously which is something a lot of people don't do, but it's like 1,100 audiences. So going in there and bid adjusting all of them. 1,100. Yeah, you can get 1,100 so you can bid adjust, you know, and then you build like, if you build about 100 remarketing audiences based on different timeframe windows, like cart, seven day, 14, 21, 28, and then you roll in all of Google's intent and interest base, comes out to like 1063 or something. So... That's a lot of, that's a lot of thing to, we, and out of that, it's, it's always 80, 20 rule and everything, you know, Perry Marshall wrote that Pareto 80, 20 bucket. It's true though. And everything there's 80, 20 and it's same thing with the audiences. Those audiences, some of people are, those are really strong machine learning audiences in some mm-hmm. cases, not always, yep. but some, yep. so that's not a risk because that's all owned by Google. So Google for Legion, they're really pushing Legion and lifetime value. So their algorithms are optimizing towards that. Have you uh, seen anything based around if this will affect Google Analytics? I haven't seen. They haven't set a peep yet. We, I got my partner manager meeting next week, so I'll share along what I get from them. But they've been yeah. very quiet. <laughs> I haven't heard anything if it affects them at all. There was a chat going on in AdLeaks, and they were basically saying, you know, just leverage UTMs. You know, Wicked just uses UTMs. Well, it uses more than that. Obviously, that's not just you're leveraging UTMs like Google Analytics, but... In my first reaction was, is analytics going to be affected by this? Because how is how is that going to come into play with that? Because, you know, I will say this, like most of the brands that we run traffic to, Android doesn't convert. iOS, you know, when I think of Android anymore, I think of, and it depends on the offer, obviously, but it's usually in my opinion, and hopefully you don't have an Android device, <laughs> lower income people, you know, like I see people going to Walmart and just buying like, uh, here we have like track phones. Mm-hmm. We see a lot better ROAS and a lot better scale on iOS and Apple devices. Not so much like not so much Safari versus Chrome, but just Apple devices in general, whether they're using one browser or not. But I mean, yeah, like how 
how is that going to be affected? Is your just complete Google Analytics of measurement if you're just one of those brands that doesn't use anything and, and solely relies on analytics and Google attribution? Are you going to be affected? And like you said, I haven't seen anything even from our partner reps, not one word. No, I mean, we get into the Google, they have this high level API partner program. We get in because we do first party data conversions and push them into Google ads. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're because they like to optimize on, on, if you pick the right bid strategy, it'll optimize either on the count or on the value, one or the other. It's not both. Right. So depending on, you know, if you're a volume player, you're, you're a high value sales, then you have to pick the right you know, target row as is what you should pick if you're doing on value. You know, you've yep. got a high-end product and then yep. you can max CPA if you're doing count. And that's pretty funny, much. Funny story that we've actually, with, for one brand we've tested and they have a lower AOV, pretty low because it's more of a consumable product like in Walmart, but we've tested max conversions versus target CPA and target ROAS and every single time, which I've never really seen it, but as of late, max conversions is actually winning without a max CPC limit applied, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, so they uh, max conversions will just try to get volume. It doesn't. So if they have people, yeah. So if it's a lower end product and the Android users are lower income, for example, it it'll throw the ad up on there more versus mm-hmm. you know if it's higher end. I've yep. got the uh, one uh, guest on the podcast next week is the Google uh, conversion tracking product manager. So oh. I have a, so if you get any questions, I get a huge sheet of questions for. I just would like to know how we're going to be affected. Like they haven't put anything out around is tag manager going to be like, if you leverage tag managers, that can be a way around it. I know now some people I've even seen are trying to come up with tag manager server to server mm-hmm. and they think that's going to be fixed. I've seen like a couple threads about that. Nothing on analytics, nothing on, you know, and really Apple hasn't really said anything either because even the pop-up, I think they show it specifically even calls out. I think only Facebook, if I'm not uh, mistaken from Tim Cook. So Snapchat. Okay. I did an email from Pinterest the other day that basically said they are going to be affected in the way around it is going to be able basically is to use um, email match back. So basically server to server via email match. Okay, great. Well, how do you roll that out? Because most people on Shopify, which is a large portion are using just the standard, you know, Pinterest app, which just injects the code. Well, that doesn't fix. Doesn't the post them part. back. And they don't have a way to do it yet. We're working on it. Okay, well, work faster. <laughs> and then the post, <laughs> yeah. And then the post back still going to work like a pixel. Everyone's going to have the same post back on, you know, thank you.html from Shopify. And yeah. all of them are going to grab credit for the same sale. That's, yep. that's Yeah. And then, you know, when you get into like the big brand stuff, like they struggle. And I'm sure you, as you work with some of the bigger brands, like, Maybe you've even from some of your custom inject methods with Wicked that are not Shopify or Commerce, but primarily where I live and play now is more of like big commerce and custom. When you get to that level of dealing with the big boys, the development is so much slower, right? And it's going to be like, okay, go get this. In, and it's like, usually it takes to get a pixel place. It can take weeks, you know, two to three yeah. weeks to get one pixel place. So it'll be very interesting to see on how fast, those brands can pivot if analytics is going to be affected. Are you going to have to custom code something? Or are they just going to roll out a new script that you have to place or Google and like, you know, because those brands move slow. My prediction is all hell break loose right around Valentine's day, because let's say that the, the, the change hits like January 21 and used to the 28 day look forward click. All of a sudden you got the seven day look back 
and it hits you for two, three weeks where your performance drops. And all of a sudden, third week, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> I have to deal with this. This is a code red. Because then, yeah. you know, then, the, then when the, the big boss getting the ROI reports to be like, why is the ROI plummeting? And they, oh, it's this iOS thing. What do we have to do? Do it. And so I, we're predicting, yeah. my prediction is chaos starting Valentine's Day. Yeah. And a, and a good, so the people that are dealing with it ahead of time are going to already be like, because then people are going to pull back their spend because they're going to freak out. And then the click, hopefully click prices will drop. And then the people that are already well positioned just be gobbling things up. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Is it happening. primarily, is, it's primarily just cookie, cookies that are affected with this? Yeah. Uh, well, the cookie list world's coming when the browsers come 2022, the changes. So Apple pointed to this WebKit URL, which we'll put in the show notes. The way they're moving the Safari browser is it's click-based first-party data conversions only. So that's music to my ears because that's what we built Wicked on. But they're moving towards that. So why Facebook's getting in trouble is because they're, they're using it for all sorts of purposes. They're taking your phone stuff and using it for all kinds of reasons. But it wasn't like they were being all evil. You were allowed to do it and it was good data. So they did it. You know, so yep. I'm not in the opinion pile on Facebook like they were the devil here. It was like, hey, you had an API endpoint. We started using it. We had value and everyone's... Rising tide was lifting all boats. Right. So, but now it's Tim Cook specifically said opaque third party use uh, was this big call out, which that's kind of opaque statement. <laughs> yeah, they're rolling out their own. There's a post on it today. I think even in ad leaks, I saw it. They're rolling out their own advertising platform. They got to be. They are. They, there's a thing in there, like in the beta thing or whatever, you can see where that it says like it's a picture of a phone screen and it says Apple advertising and then it gives like a statement about it to opt in or out. So a lot of the belief is a lot of the belief that I've seen is like, this is geared towards them setting up their own advertising platform to take a huge portion of that revenue. Yep. It makes total sense that that's what they'd be doing. Mm -hmm. So with all this going on, I got just two, three more questions here for you. Now, how important is it to add by across, I mean, multiple platforms? Uh, More important than ever, not only next year, but in the last few years. And I think that's one of the biggest, I can't tell you how many times I've, come on and seen brands only buying on one platform. They don't even, you know, and the agencies doing the media buying don't know how to do Google or don't know how to do anything else. Holistic approach anymore, just because as these platforms are changing, attribution is getting narrower, it's going more towards a click mentality, which honestly I think is really good, not only for agencies because they have to learn how to become better media buyers, which is going to make them better, but also for brands because they're not going to get to take advantage of, of by media buyers that don't know what they're doing. Because as of next year, like you said, now you have to look specifically at click-based incrementality only like that view is gone, which I think a lot of brands just get hung up on looking at what's in platform and say, Oh, you know, looks great. Well, we always look at view, but we don't optimize towards view. We always have optimized towards what's actually incremental, which is going to be your click-based attribution. So I think it's, while it sucks, it's actually going to be really good in the brands that or the agencies that can pivot and be able to learn multiple platforms, I think would be will be less affected because I think DC brands are going to want to, and that's why I've always going back to the first question of why I've invested so much time in learning and trying to be good at everything. Um, it's just because it makes you a better media buyer once you understand pieces of that because you can. Number one, when you're on calls, you can advise, <laughs> you know, like that helps, the know what that, helps to know what yeah, you're talking about. It does because a lot of the people, you know, they're so highly focused on one platform. They know Facebook, 
Well, then an issue arises and, you know, a lot of the times on calls, it's like, oh, we have an issue with Clavio. Great. You know, everybody on the call is silent. And I speak up and say, I can fix that. Send me the info because I understand it. You know, I'm not just hyper-focused. So I think it's good. While it sucks, it's going to be good for everyone all around. It's just going to probably cause, like you said, a lot of panic and chaos. But it's what me and you have been doing for years. This is going to be, yeah, this going to be a huge, huge dramatic Q1. But people that are dealing with now are, are going to be fine. And people that aren't are going to be really freaking stressed out. Yeah. And even if you're not dealing with it, it's just a matter of knowing how to deal with it. Like mm-hmm. some of the brands, we don't deal with it. But I know that if I need to deal with it for them, I don't have to go and learn it and try to understand it. I can literally just say, okay, let's go sign up. Let's roll it out. We're good to go. So more of just being educated, you know, and knowing how to yeah. deal with it. I yeah. Think. Cause I feel like you've got to start doing lead gen because first party data is going to be everything. Cause you need that for targeting and we don't, no one knows how much it's going to affect targeting and it won't be right away, but come like July, August when all the, you know, the Apple phone data is getting more and more stale that you're going to need data to target and your own data you still can use. So do you think they're going to roll out a fix? Do you think there's going to be like a patch that comes for this? I mean, like this was the same thing with going from a third party cookie to a first party cookie. They've got to be up to something. What are they going to do? Just kiss 40, 40 billion away and ads then? No way. (laughs) I don't know. Well, and that was a lot worse because now Facebook, in my opinion, they, they rolled out specific ad campaigns targeting Apple, yeah, even they spent a billion on PR. So you know what it was? It's going to hurt. They wouldn't yeah. have spent a billion on just complaining. Yeah, they're that's... hoping to get it overturned. Which I don't. Who knows? You know, I don't. I think the world's moving towards more privacy. So I don't think they really have a a big argument other than it's not fair to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only us, but the small. You know, like the small, the small guy. That well, the small guy needs clicks that turn into real people in their system. So the, the move isn't terrible. It, yep. if, it's just you know, short-term pain, though. But it, cause, it causes, again, the small guy doesn't have access to usually the, lever, the levers like myself or like Tim Bird or other agencies that have the type of understanding because they charge more, right? So mm-hmm. they've been able to get by with in-platform attribution and they're growing, they're doing good, but they haven't got to that, that level of spend where that mind sh- mindset has to shift because number one, they can't afford it. Number two, they don't understand it. Number three, they probably, you know, and it's kind of like those brands that Facebook is putting in their ad campaigns, you know, like local burger shops or this or that, that have, are growing. I mean, it's when your budget's only four or $5,000 a month and you have to go spend the six, 700 bucks or 500 or whatever, like mm-hmm. that's can be impactful to the little guy. So yeah, it, it definitely would be interesting. Yeah, that's true. Advertising. That's a good point. Cause those people, particularly the local advertisers, when they're just, you know, targeting three towns, they and, don't understand attribution. Yeah, they're not going to get in there. I mean, no, that isn't going to be fair for them. If suddenly they have less reach because of this and less business and they're like, it's caught between Apple and Facebook pissing contest. Yep. That sucks. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, and, and a lot of those businesses have already had a hard enough time this year as it is. You know, thankfully I'm past that and we're I'm able to work with some of the bigger brands that I've been fortunate enough to partner and work with now. So it, it definitely will be interesting to see how that affects them. And I do feel for them because that's where I started, you know. When I shifted from affiliate, it was dealing with local when I worked with my very first agency back in, you know, 2011 or 12, it was local, 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 
a lot of e-com, some affiliate, but really like I personally, and still to this day, get more benefit of providing growth to a local business than I do like being um, for the big conglomerate and providing, you know, when you look at their, their KPI numbers, New Year Weekly, Excel docs, pivot tables. And um, yes, some people are still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Not automated. I'm still pulling weekly reports. When you do that, it's not as, as impressive as saying, oh, you know, we did half a million dollars in revenue, 200,000 to spend, whatever, versus going to the little guy and say, oh, we spent a thousand and we drove 15,000 in revenue for a local small person, you know, that struggles to get by. Yeah. Like to that day, that still touches me more than the big stuff, but obviously more money, more opportunity to learn. And it makes you just a better media buyer in general when you're, when you're able to work on those calipers of brands. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your agency and then AdLeaks, where I first encountered you. Yeah. So AdLeaks, I went to a mastermind back in, geez, I think it was two years ago. And I met Tim and was working with just internally with like a local agency, I think at the time it was, and met Tim, was very active in the group uh, when it first started rolling out. I've always been very active. And obviously we've been working internally on some things over the last year, but there was a lot of focus and planning that went pre that. So I was surprised Tim hit me up one day because I think I was, <laughs> I was asking the most questions at the mastermind. And I, I think when Tim first met me, he's like, you know, this guy knows the stuff. He should maybe be up here teaching some of this stuff because I was the one grilling and asking questions and like, Oh, did you ever think of doing this and this and probably getting the presenters pissed at me, <laughs> but you know, then it was like, oh, hey, do you want to, you know, just come in and help moderate and run the community and help, you know, be a part of the team that can help grow it. And I look at it as I love it because that's where I've been able to take most of my knowledge and growth from, like, is being in the community. Because when something happens, like, for example, the other day, Snapchat rolled out, they're not making you optimize towards 50 conversions anymore. Like they did away with that. Like it was posted in the community and I knew about it before even in Snapchat even released a statement about it. Like it's just a really, really good place where all of your high level media buyers, some of which, you know, spend way more than I do are not afraid to help make people better. You know, it's not about, Oh, pay me for me to tell you this. It's more about people actually caring and, and they've seen what they have got and they give back. And Tim did a really, really good job of just building that community and that place for that. And that's kind of how AdLeaks is kind of uh, fruition. And now we're just finishing out, we're rolling it out, I think at the end of this week, but we made basically our own, it's kind of like Netflix, I guess, for courses and all of our, right now all of our education and training is housed in Facebook, which is a little bit unorganized and it's just not the best structure. So the developer ended up building our own custom platform, which is probably long time in the making, well over a year and a half. And, you know, we have 30 full A to Z courses that we're going to be rolling out and doing that people have kind of put forth based on Pinterest, SEO, brand positioning, organic growth, just all that's going to be cool. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love I love the group. It's very uh, intelligent. It's well moderated. You do a good job moderating. That's why I like it. Like everyone was blab about the same topic. You tie it into one post. That's yeah. such a better instead of my account ban, my account ban. Like, well, that's that ad stinks. That stinks that that happens, but we don't yeah. need to see 
seven posts on it. We need to see and that's another that's another reason Alex was born because Tim originally started the Facebook ad buyers group, which is you know 125,000 members, I think. So it's huge. And it got to the point where <laughs> and then that still goes on. It's hard to moderate a group that big. Like we have, you know, 15, 20 mods and it's still things get missed or they sit for a while because people just come in and spam or get rich quick. Or you can make you $500 in 10 minutes, but that's why AdLeaks was born. And that's why it's paid invite, like go through an interview. We like look at kind of your level. Uh, and we have, as of right now, we have the platinum and the gold, but it was because people got sick of exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Uh, constantly just newsfeed being jammed with that crap. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you do a great job. Thank you. Yeah. That's a great resource. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I mean, this can be yeah. a great app for people and I look forward to sharing it with them. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Appreciate sure. it, man. Take it easy. Yeah, you too. Bye.